Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So, Phil, you are out traveling again uh, on the road to be with your people. How's that going to be out with the masses again traveling? You know, it's it's good. I I get a little, you know, when I'm online all the time, uh, which I do of workshops and one-on-one stuff and visits, it, it's, it can get a little tiresome. Right, not only on yeah. the eyes, but yeah. But I'm a th- I'm a three dimensional person, so to get out amongst people, I'm a over the top extrovert. So yeah. th- this week I was in Chicago, Philly, yeah. working with uh, groups out there, awesome. um, and uh, that was that was terrific. Um, and the plane travel still rough, as you yeah. know, with uh, masks and so on. But you know, getting out there and connecting. This week, I was talking about, interestingly enough, vision, which we're going to talk about today. I was yep. talking about mission, which we'll talk about coming up soon. Yep. And it was uh, overall really good. How about you? I mean, how's your awesome. marketing stuff going? Uh, yeah, work is busy. I'm actually, we're supposed to be getting ready for the baseball season, Bender, and I'm a little <laughs> bit worried about it. I know. So I'm, I'm not uh, tracking what's the issue. I just want to get on the field, get back in the stands. Yeah, so let's both because we're both baseball purists. Let's just uh, you know give our best wishes to Major League <laughs> Baseball that they get this thing done because uh, right. I want to see I want to see baseball. Yeah, do you know uh, Do you know Mike Brabriglia, the, the comedian? I do not know. Well, he's got a great Netflix special, and he talked about playing a uh, USO tour in Afghanistan, and he said these poor people have been over there so long they don't even know I'm not really famous. And it goes, occasionally I'll run into somebody and they'll say, hey, you look kind of familiar. And I'll say, oh, well, are you from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts? Because I played right field for discount paint supply. That, that, that's probably <laughs> it if you're a baseball fan. <laughs> yes, I love yeah, it. So no, what that- about you on Little League sponsor? Any, uh, any weird ones? Any good Little names? League. A little league sponsor. Oh, you mean when I was growing up? Yeah, yeah. I, pl- I played for my first team I played for was Mont Hope Cemetery. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down on I Lee played Ma- for Ferry the Panda Road. Paint Panthers. We were so yeah. good. We had two mascots in our name. <laughs> <laughs> I think we played you guys. Oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, I've think... got, I've got six older brothers, and we compared notes about who had the coolest sponsor, and everybody threw in. My brother Rich goes last and said he played for the New Bridal Originals. <laughs> <laughs> right above uh, the Washington football team in terms of terrible name. Yeah. Well, what the what our viewers and listeners might not know is that we we um you know, grew up in the same town, didn't yep. know each other, but uh went to college together and and so yep. um there's a lot of uh, history there. And being from St. Louis, as we both are, baseball yeah. is a religion. Yeah. And well, you, uh, were the, you were the college baseball player. I, I didn't quite make it that far. And actually, I, I found it interesting. You were the catcher, right? Yes. Yeah. And what yeah. was your dad as the What was his perspective on being the catcher? I've, I always found that interesting. Yeah. It, uh, my dad uh, was a great leadership lesson is 
my dad would say that uh, the catcher is the only player that faces everybody when they're out on the field. And so if they're not hustling, like not yeah. backing up first base, throw to first base, not running after a pass ball or a wild pitch, um, you know, you're in charge of the game yeah. and everybody's watching you. So if you're not making it happen out there, then, um, then everybody will relax or slack, slow mm-hmm. down. So yeah, it was a great lesson actually uh, that he shared with me. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about uh, vision and how that you know how that's a big important part of your um, coaching with your clients. Um, one of the themes that I know is important to you in your coaching is you talk um, to your clients about embracing a, a CEO mindset. Um, and a key part of this is being able to establish their vision for the future uh, and success. Why is this important? Why do you why do you embrace the CEO mindset as a, a key uh, component of your coaching? Well, CEO mindset. It, it, if you're a CEO, this might be obvious, but not everybody is. But can you take a CEO mindset to work every day? Can mm-hmm. and what that what that means is. You know, I am owning, taking responsibility for what I do every day, but it's also a mindset of quarterly performance. I'm a big fan of the twelve-week year, mm-hmm. um, and and um, how can you get the most out of every quarter? Because in a visionary life, you may not win every day, you might not win every month, but you can win every quarter. Mm-hmm. And so what I focus on is instead of reactive work, it's proactive work. Um, it's forecasting results. I have this phrase with salespeople I coach. I say, what is the CEO telling the sales department about finishing the quarter? You've got shareholders or stakeholders that you need to present to. What is the message? Are you thinking about what didn't happen? Or are you thinking about making it happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a client of mine who likes to say that you can't lose the game. Excuse me. You you can't win the game in the first quarter, but you can lose the game in the first quarter. Yeah. And so these are all visionary elements. Yeah. So if you're, if you're taking a quarterly mindset, you can adjust the things that don't happen your way. Don't go your way yeah. and still make it, make it fit, catch up, make adjustments and uh, win your quarter. Yeah, I liked it when you the you know we discussed this and you said that if you if you're thinking in a, a, a traditional sales mindset, uh, you feel like you're kind of playing behind, um, you know, trying to meet your your sales numbers. Where if you're thinking in a quarterly mindset, you know you've got time to to make up the ground, you know, when when things gel. Um, so yeah, how do you offer how do you offer guidance to your clients about establishing their vision and leading a visionary life? Well, it all starts with the dream. And so often we don't even get out of the starting gate with regards to dreaming without a boundary attached. Because of our upbringing, because of restrictions that we either have on us or perceive we have on us, we have a tendency to get stuck in the starting gate. I use the phrase, uh, if you're on a busy thoroughfare and you wait for every light to turn green before you go, you're going to be there a long, long time. 
And so first thing is in a visionary life is shifting to saying, okay, what can be, you know, Walt Disney's an obvious example of this type of thing, you know, just in just dreaming this thing out. Then after you've, you've made that commitment or excuse me, uh, uh, designed that element, then you can start to say, what is, what do I have to overcome in order to get there? Okay. When you're pursuing a life of vision, this is something a coach uh, shared with me years ago. When you're pursuing a life of vision, you have both promoters and detractors, both of whom are necessary. Mm -hmm. I never forgot that valuable lesson. And, and that is that there is going to be some resistance always. And, but if you dream first, then negotiate the terms later, you're likely to take more risks. And that's what we focus on in our conversations is what is that one risk that you know in your gut that if you take it, it's going to take you to a completely different place. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to see if you can expand on that um, a little bit. Um, a, a little bit later. So you use the metaphor of the lighthouse and the lighthouse beacon as mm-hmm. part of the sea captain way. Um, can you enlighten uh, people that are listening about what, how, why that is an apt analogy for the, your well, clients? Well, I, I do use a lot of sea themes. Um, and in particular, you know, we did a segment recently on core values. That's where the beacon in the lighthouse is shining on you. Those are your ground rules for how you operate. Well, the the beacon in in a visionary life is one that shines up to the heavens, shines way out on the horizon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's pushing you out as opposed to attracting you in. But that particular metaphor, it works to help explain what a vision is. People get caught up in a vision being, oh, that my one-year vision. Well, one-year vision is primarily goals. Um, what is a three to five-year look at this thing? Okay. What does it really look like out there? And the one thing about vision that I've learned is that vision is technically never attained because it's always a changing trajectory. When I had a vision for my practice, building out my coaching practice, I envisioned it a certain way. Some of those elements came true. Some of them I shifted midstream, still out there on the horizon, but not exactly how I formed it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that light shining out is a pretty broad light, yeah. but it moves you toward some very satisfying outcomes. Yeah, that's a great that's a great analogy. And in my in from a marketing sense, we work with clients and we help them develop what we call um, a lighthouse identity. And you know, when we're branding, and that is you know with the thinking that you know when you're trying to attract customers, when you're trying to attract new clients, that most people are out there every day in the fight, you know, on the struggle bus, and people are attracted to to people that are confident. And so when you are able to articulate what you do and what you're about and, and, you know, exude that confidence, it's appealing to people, um, you know, if you're projecting it in your, your communications and just as important is to say not only what you stand for, but what you stand against, um, you know, a a great, 
you know, somebody that I really thought did a good job of this a couple of years ago was uh, we're talking about traveling with people. Everybody was up in arms about the bag fees and Southwest Airlines did the bags fly free. You know, that's what yeah. they were. And they just beat the other airlines with that stick bags fly free. You know, they just played it to the nth. And I thought it was, you know, awesome, a great strategy and, uh, you know, another reason to like them. Yeah. Um, so you've also talked about how important risk taking in conquering fear is um, in pursuit of vision. Uh, it seems to me people who are real entrepreneurs are inherently risk takers. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's all kinds of reasons why uh, some of the risks they take freely is based on um, based on their life experience. And uh, when you're in a position where you have no other option but to take a risk, you take a risk. Okay, sure. so so I, I use an example of stand-up comedians um, who take risks on stage every night in a nightclub. Well, in in some cases, they really had no other path but to take this, and they certainly have a gift. But there are a lot of funny people out there. Um, I'm sitting with one right now, but do, but do you take the risk, right? So the risk is, is the dark room. It's the uncharted water. It's, uh, you know, and, and as a coach, having taken a lot of risk and being a, an entrepreneur, um, I can show you how to open that door to that dark room. I can even walk you in there, show you where the light is, but if you're unwilling, well, but at the end of our conversation, what most people do is they run right back out of the room and they <laughs> lock the door up, right? Right, right. And so this particular piece uh, is to how frequently are you going into that dark room, searching for that light, dealing with the fear of the darkness, and over time, starting to become more and more comfortable with what's happening. Let me give you an example. I, I uh, the, the movie The Sixth Sense. Okay, do you remember that movie? Sure. Um, in the beginning, the young the young boy is scared of the dead people that he sees, and he hides from them. What a lot of people don't remember is at the end of the movie. Do you remember what actually happens at the end? What does no, he end up doing? Yeah, he actually ends up teaching them how to cross over. So he, be, he takes that fear, flips it over time, and then becomes a resource for people to go to the next stage. That's a pretty dramatic example, but yeah. an example nonetheless of taking risks, becoming comfortable in that new space. As, as I, I like to say, I tried this and I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> right? Therefore, right? Therefore, let me try something else or yeah. let me try a little more yeah. and that's how i'm in a constant uh constant work with clients on taking the steps just keep taking steps trusting just like maybe in star wars where you got to trust that bridge is going to be there yeah and you walk out take a step out or maybe it's raiders i'm thinking of but but you get the idea you got to yeah. trust that take the risk have somebody walk with you in some cases and that's yeah. what i do yeah, it was interesting. There was a uh, comedians in cars getting coffee with uh, Eddie Murphy, Jerry Seinfeld mm. and Eddie Murphy. 
And Jerry Seinfeld said, what I admired about you when I first saw you coming up is you were fearless. I was like, look at this guy. And in turn, Eddie Murphy said, I thought the same thing about you. And they both said, "Ah, it was kind of an act. You know, we had to kind of put up that front until we got going. But I thought that was interesting. Great example. Great example. And Eddie Murphy was, what, 19 (laughs) when he was on SNL? Um, So sometimes you just have nothing to lose but to take the risk. Yeah. So I want to go back, um, take a, you know, revisit a comment that you made earlier. So one of the things about your coaching philosophy that was really enlightening to me when we reconnected um, was you were saying to establish your vision is you need to dream big without considering the obstacles that might get in the way. That was something that really helped me when I bought into it. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Sure. Um, the dreaming big is, is the whole Disney reference again, right? Where okay. you're, where you're looking at what could this really be? What could it really be without a boundary? And there are boundaries attached. Um, I'll give you an example of a boundary. Um, spouse, you know, visionary life is a team sport. So does your spouse really get what Risks need to be taken. Are they comfortable in taking those risks? Um, another one is kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you may have kids with certain needs. So to take a big risk, you might, uh, you might have to account for that. Um, third, geography. You know, to move, possibly relocate. Now, it's, the nice thing nowadays is so much is done online, you, you don't have to relocate. Or you can relocate, not have it, it not make sure. much change. Yep. Um, the last one, of course, is money. And that is always a fear piece for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had, they've had experience with money. Uh, they've had family who've had experience with money, uh, making investments that haven't worked. And that can be a, based on that experience, can yep. limit, limit, uh, focus. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say visionary success is a team sport? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, When I was offered a managing partner position, I had to relocate geographically. I also knew that I had some role models in my life, people I admired and respected who were divorced. Mm -hmm. And so I went down a path of saying, boy, for me to pursue a visionary life, do I have to sacrifice my marriage? Well, the good news is I didn't have to, but the, but the better news is that uh, I spent the time negotiating with my wife as to what was important to her, not just to me. Sure. Um, and then making decisions based upon that And I can remember when I went to my wife with this idea the first time, she said, no way. (laughs) I think it had, I think it was no flipping way. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I don't (laughs) Yeah, you do. And and then I said, well, okay, well, let's uh, revisit that again another time. Um, But the fact is two years later, or what I did was I hired a coach to help me with this. And based on the conversations we had as a couple, Two years later, when the offer came, her response was, my bags are packed. And that set a course then to make a, a big move and uh, take on a new 
visionary exercise. Without that, um, there's potential for resentment. Yeah. There's potential for, um, you know, where, where your spouse may not um, integrate fully. Yeah. They may stay stuck in the place they were. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, all roads lead to today, which yeah. that, that step led to this new uh, endeavor for me. Cool. So in your training curriculum and, and in your videos, you, you put forward the idea that success is often like getting to base camp for a mountain climber and the, the chance, the, you know, the challenge is to move beyond base camp to the summit. Can you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, share some of your thoughts around that? Yeah. And I, I see this a lot with, with my clients, um, where they have already achieved, you know, what is base camp? 21,000 feet, something like that. I don't know all, I, I'm not a climber, but, but they, but that was real work. You should be very happy and impressed with what you've achieved. So we, sometimes we go through growth for growth's sake as opposed to really acknowledging, self-recognizing what's been achieved already, and that is getting to base camp. You can do that on grit, determination, um, focus, um, you know, get promoted, things of that nature, you know, uh, operating within the current guidelines to get to a certain place. But then for those that want to summit, that's a completely different mindset. In other words, now, instead of everything that got you to base camp, all the training, all the effort, all the work, all the preparation, now you want to summit. Well, when you summit, first of all, you need a Sherpa and a guide, right? And and in other words, somebody who's maybe gone up this hill before you, and going down is as tough as coming up, from what I hear. Yeah, and so yeah, you it's told me, you mentioned that more people die coming down than going up. Is that of my? That's incredible to me. It's, yeah, I heard that recently. No fair. It, it, but but it's about that achievement. Yeah. Um, me summiting, I got uh, I got my butt kicked a few times. Sure. And uh, lived to tell about it. Learned a lot from it. I probably learned more about coaching from failure than I ever have from success, but I had to get past my ego. And that's another piece that that took some time because when I became a managing partner of of a firm, I thought I had arrived. In reality, I was just getting started. And and I I learned that lesson pretty quickly that it was – you know, success is not linear, that there are some, some speed bumps and, um, and, uh, in a episode coming up, uh, um, in, uh, you know, soon we'll talk about mission and how that I was able to pull up my bootstraps and, yeah. and move on. Yeah. I know Jim Collins said in his book, good to great. I, I, I love that book and I love Jim Collins, but one of the most intense people I've ever <laughs> Seen. Uh, he says, you know, greatness is largely a matter of conscious choice and discipline. And I know you say that pursuing your vision starts with establishing where you are and identifying the steps necessary to get you to the summit of your professional life. What are some of the elements people need to consider as they 
you know, plan their ascent to the next stage of their career? Well, discipline is certainly one. And uh, the other that is, is this visionary life as a team sport. I yeah. used an example of spouse, but there can be, you know, team members that uh, pursue things uh, along with you. They're, yeah. they're you know, letting go to grow, trusting those around you to deliver. You know, to be a great coach, you know, in a sport, you got to have, let's use football, for example, you got to have a good offensive coordinator, good defensive coordinator. As good as these head coaches are, they can't pay attention to everything. Sure. And so you got to trust the people around you. And I have this phrase I use quite often that in, in a visionary pursuits, that if your team can achieve their vision within your vision, They'd have no reason to ever leave. So some right. of it is p- paying attention to everybody achieving their vision around you and therefore the vision becoming uh, greater, stronger, and, uh, and, and lasting. Right. So another point that you've made is you say, you know, it's important to recognize that vision evolves, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, where after you start on your journey, that somewhere along the way, you're going to retool or regroup and, you know, you might need to, to, to re, you know, recalibrate um, what it is that you are yeah, going there, after. Well, Greg, there are going to be some, some things that occur outside your control. Sure. I had them in business. Um, I had them in, uh, um, well, COVID, for example, if visions haven't been altered based on the COVID experience, I'd be sh- I'd be surprised, you know, because not everybody is, is set out in 2018. If you put a vision together in 2018, my guess is it changed. My vision for my coaching practice changed during that window. So all these things come into play that make this a very a very I don't want to say challenging endeavor, but certainly one that needs to be revisited as you go forward. Okay. So I thought that that's great. I really appreciate you sharing all your thoughts, you know, around vision and how you uh, are able to help your clients achieve it. And again, I, this advice uh, was helpful to me in terms of what you shared about dreaming, you know, without thinking of the obstacles that's, you know, how I was kind of hardwired as I always, you know, would default into thinking of why things might not pan out and to just kind of clear your mind of that, I think really sets people up nicely for, for future success. Yeah. And that's why it's good to have somebody that walks with you. Yeah. Somebody who's maybe taken a little bit more risk, a mentor, um, a, you know, team member who's experienced this because you're going to have doubts. Sure. Every step is um, is uh, challenging, scary. You wonder if you're off course. Yeah. To use a, again a navigation term. Yeah. And so um, it's good. I appreciate uh, you know all the questions today. Yeah. And uh, hopefully this was helpful to uh, those that uh, are viewing and listening. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Phil. Oh, you bet. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. 
To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey.